Amen. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Title of this morning's message is Under the Influence. What are you under the influence? Uh, we're going to talk about being refilled uh, a little bit this week, and we're in Ephesians 5.18. And uh, this, uh, this last week, uh, we had a little bit of sunshine here in Louisiana, and uh, it doesn't last very long, you know, in this spring season, right? And as I've moved down south, I've realized washing your vehicle in the country is kind of pointless, right? Uh, there's really no point in washing your truck. I used to be a very, uh, my car was clean, and then I got two kids, and then now I moved to the country, and... Yeah, we're looking at individuals who have a clean car. But my truck is rarely ever clean. So anyway, I went to the car wash and uh, uh, washed my car, or my truck came home, and then I had to rewash it again because you know automated car washes don't really work, right? Uh, even though they're good, I like them. But, but anyway, so I got this bucket. This is my bucket where I wash my truck. And so <clears throat> I, you know how it goes when you wash a vehicle, right? So for me, I filled this bucket up, put soap in it, and, and water filled it up to the top, and I got a, a rag, you know, and just began to, to wash. And as I begin to wash, I'm washing one side of my truck, and, you know, this rag gets on the truck, gets a little bit dirty. I put it back into the bucket. Uh, some little bit of dirt comes in, and after a while, the bucket gets low, right? The, the water has gone down, and it actually it gets to be a little bit more muddy, a little bit dirty, a little more cloudy. And so you take the water hose, and you put it in. You can even turn it either on a slow drip. Or you can just kind of fill a little bit. It fills up. And, you know, in fact, it'll clean itself out. After a while, you're filling that new water in. The old water comes out. Uh, and, and the bucket stays full. So you wash a little bit. gets a little bit muddy. Put a little bit of water in. Wash a little bit more. Empty it out. Put a little bit of water in. And it kind of stays like that. It's a little murky, but it's doing the job. But, you know, by the time I got around to the very end of my truck, or almost to the, around to the right side, uh, what did happen? I had to dump you know, this completely out and start over because the water had just really gotten too murky uh, to really keep going. How many know what I'm talking about, right? You kind of get the concept. So sometimes you have the continual, I'm getting it full up, and then every now and then you have to start over. You know, for me, this is my experience in the Christian life. We all get full when we find Jesus. We're, we become empty vessels, we get full. And we're full of water. We're full. The Bible says the Holy Spirit's like living water. He cleanses us of sin. And we're clean. But then as I begin to go out in the world and I'm interacting with things in the world and I come back into my heart, into my home, you know, things kind of get a little bit murky, a little bit muddy. My attitude may not be great. My ideas, my carnal desires are, are kind of there. And the Bible says, you know, as a believer, we're warring with this all the time. The spirit wants to do one thing. Our flesh wants to do another. The world's out there. we got an enemy, the devil. And so I need to kind of be continually filled. So I have my Bible reading. I have my prayer. I have Sunday worship with you wonderful people. And I kind of keep full. There's a little trickle, a little drip of the Holy Spirit. Every day as I study my Bible, as I study the Word, I listen to worship on the way to and from work or wherever, I stay full and I keep full because that's what I need in my life. I need to be full of the Holy Spirit. But even still doing all of that, after a while, maybe months, maybe even years, I find myself just really being a little bit too murky, a little bit too clouded, and I need to be completely emptied out and refilled again. How many people have experienced this to be true in your life, in the Christian life, right? We, we all have these, 
this rhythm of our relationship with God. Unfortunately, so many Christians uh, have not been brought up in this or don't understand it. And here's what happens. One, there are many Christians that end up just being an empty bucket. They, they're not able to influence anybody for the sake of the gospel. In fact, they may probably, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says you're not even saved. You're a pretend Christian. You're just religious on the outside. You look like you're a nice, clean bucket, but on the inside, there's nothing there to influence anybody. You can't affect change in you, much less anybody else. Then there are sometimes we, not only if you're not empty, maybe, maybe you got filled when you were saved and the Holy Spirit comes in you, but after a while, you've never learned this this continual filling thing. You found your life, you've gotten dry, you feel more empty, and, and, and you, don't, you don't even know how to be filled. Maybe it's, it's that, that habitual filling of the Holy Spirit has not been in your life, part of your discipleship process. And so you're kind of running half full all the time. You're balancing between doing things yourself and then you're balancing sometimes really remembering, oh, I need to help God's help in this. And you're living there. You're living like half the time I'm doing things on my own. And sometimes I'm reminded, oh, yeah, I do need God. But you never get full. And other times we get murky and our attitudes are conflicting and we don't know how to handle things. Then there are some people that live on these highs and lows. That it's just like my Christianity is nowhere in the middle. And it's an emotional roller coaster. It's, I, I call it bipolar Christianity. It means that I'm either completely full or I'm completely empty. It's like every Sunday, I need to get totally filled back up again because in the middle of the week, I've just totally dumped out and I, there's no way for me to live a consistent Christian life. And, it, and you're pretty much on this emotional roller coaster with God. And it's like, I need a bunch of high and I have a bunch of lows. And how many people, maybe you're like that or you know somebody like that. You don't have to raise your hand or point your finger. But, but that's kind of what happens. And if you don't have this good rhythm of the Holy Spirit, you don't understand uh, this filling idea. Here's what happens. In your life, you're going to fail to be an effective Christian witness, number one. Number two, likely you're going to fall into temptation. You're probably going to fail some trials in your life, if not become a completely religious person who is really devoid of the nature and the influence of God. You probably will sense a, a dryness in your personal walk, and that's going to go into your marriage. It's going to your families. And, and ultimately, you'll probably fall into some sort of sin, not living in the blessing of God, because you haven't understood what it means to be filled up continually and refilled again. How many people are with me this morning? This morning, I want to talk to you about one verse, but it is a crucial verse for the Christian life. How are Christians supposed to walk? How do you know if you're filled with the Holy Spirit? Because if you want to live in the influence of heaven on your life, you need to be filled by the Holy Spirit initially, continually, and repeatedly. We're going to talk about those three things, initially filled of the Holy Spirit, continually filled of the Holy Spirit, and repeatedly filled of the Holy Spirit. Initially, continually, and repeatedly. In fact, let's just say that together. Initially, continually, and repeatedly. Let's look at Ephesians 5.18. I'm going to talk to you about be filled. This is the first command, be filled. Ephesians 5.18. The New American Standard says it this way. He, Paul is writing to a group of people in Ephesus. And he says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Now, that's a command, okay? So he's commanding believers to be filled. They're believers. They're already believers. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, let's look at the context, okay? So I'm going to give you a couple chapters back. So Paul tells these group of Christians, his favorite church in Ephesus, one of the people, now they had this great riot there where there was revival there for over a year and uh, idol workers were out of a job and they threatened to throw people to the lions and there's this crazy stuff was going on. But Paul established a church there for many months and his elders and, and, and everything was going great. And he leaves, he gets in prison and he's riding back. And he's encouraging them what it means to walk in the Christian life, to be imitators of God. And he tells them, he says, guys, uh, from the very beginning, it was God's grace alone that saved you. You received the good news of Jesus Christ that was freely given in God's grace. You received it by faith. And when you received that good news by faith, the Holy Spirit came into your life. There is a sign or a seal, he says. It was a signal. In fact, something happened inside of you that you became different. You now know that God is happy with you. You know that you're saved. No one has to tell you these things because you now know the Holy Spirit is this guarantee. He's the rubber stamp on your Christian life, on your faith. Because you have Him, you know that God must have saved your soul, that you must be free of sin, that you're going to make heaven because you have something living on the inside of you. You have to have that, otherwise you don't know that you're saved. You don't know if you please God or not because He's not living there. So you have to know. You're with me. you got to know. you got to know that the Holy Spirit's in you. He says, guess what happened? There's this contrasting nature. And in the whole part of uh, the book of Ephesians, he's always contrasting. So watch how he does this. Just stick with me. Just in chapter 4 here. In chapter 4, verse 17, he says, You know, before you were darkened in understanding, you were ignorant, you had hard hearts, you gave your life over to sensuality, impurity, and greed. He says, goes on, he says in verse 23, You had an old self, it was corrupted with lust of deceit. He says, you were given over to sinful impulses, shameful things. You were doing things like premarital sex. You were addicted to pornography, all kinds of junk in your life. And he said, but something happened. Something happened on the inside of you. Now watch what he does. He says, you were dead, but now you're alive, right? And then he goes on, he says, you were in the dark, chapter 5, verse 8. You were in the dark, but now you're in the light. You had a former way of living but now you have a new way of living, right? He says you are walking by fleshly nature, but now you're walking in a spiritual nature, okay? He says at one time you were imitating Satan as his children, but now you're imitating God as his children. Your life is completely different. There's this big contrast. He goes on, and uh, even in chapter uh, 4, verse 32, he says you were bitter, you were angry, your life was full of a bunch of shouting at home. Shouting at the workplace. There was slander in your life. There was, you were holding grudges from years on by. He says, but now, over on this side, you're kind. You're tender-hearted. You're forgiving one another. He goes on, he says, you know, you used to use bad language. You were, you were all about those coarse, dirty jokes. But now, you're edifying others, and you're always giving thanks to God. God is all about your, your language now. And he even goes on, he says, some of you were just right out thieves. You were thieves, stealing from people. But now you're learning not only to work for your own money, but to give to other people. You notice that contrasting nature of what the Holy Spirit should do in our lives? Is on one side, it was all of this filthy stuff. 
But on the other side, when you get the Holy Spirit, there's this new nature. Now, you see the contrast. Are you with me? You're totally going one way, and now you're totally going the opposite way. So when he gets to chapter 5, verse 18, look what he says. He says, you were getting drunk with alcohol. You were being filled with worldly things. And he says that leads to dissipation. We're going to say what that word means in a minute. But now, so you were being filled with alcohol, but now you are being filled with the Holy Spirit. You see the, the contrast there. The whole thing is building up to this one moment. You were getting drunk, but now you are being filled. What a better life, right? So what does it mean to be drunk? I'm not going to ask a raising of hands of how many of us have been drunk, but drunk means what? It means to be affected by alcohol. In, in the literal sense, the dictionary it means to be to lose control of your faculties or your behavior. It means to be intoxicated. It means to be under the influence. A cop pulls you over. You have been under the influence of alcohol. There's a consequence for that. It means what? You are under the control, the influence of something that alters your behavior. It alters the way you think. It alters the way you talk. It alters the way you perceive the world around you, right? When you're under the influence of alcohol. And he says, you were under the influence of alcohol. Don't be under the influence of alcohol. And he says that is dissipation. Well, what does that mean? Your, your Bible may have a different word there. In the Greek, it goes back to a few different words, but it means wickedness, corruption, or sin in the NIV. Or it means to waste or ruin your life with wild living and, and God's word and, and a few other translations. In a sense, he's saying, when you were under the influence of that, that thing, you were ruining your life. Think your flesh was completely out of control. When you got filled up with that, the flesh went haywire. And when the flesh goes haywire, bad things happen. In fact, it's wild parties, it's sex, it's all kinds of things. And you may feel joyful, you may look joyful until the morning comes. And then you're going to really feel the results of what you did. You're going to have to make apologies. Your life is probably, you probably did things you didn't mean to do. And you're going to wake up one day and regret it. And he says, when the flesh is uncontrolled, when the flesh is free, bad things happen. So he says, instead, be filled. Filled of the Spirit. What does it mean to be filled? That word really means to make full or complete it means in the Greek to be increasing or mature. So think of it this way. If I was to say to you, hey, man, that dude over there, he is filled with fear. What do I mean? Or if I was to say, man, she is filled with rage. She is, is just, man, it rage. she's filled with rage. What would that mean? It means that that's what I'm characterizing that person as. It doesn't mean that literally somebody opened her up and put fear inside of her, right? That It's not about that. It's saying that person is under the influence of fear. Fear is controlling their life, right? And so it's the same thing when we say a person is filled with the Holy Spirit. While we are a vessel and He fills us, it's, it's another term, right? So just like you're filled with fear, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just like you can be filled with alcohol, it means under the influence, or drunk means under the influence of alcohol. To be under the influence of the Spirit is to be filled with the Spirit. So in a sense, what's Paul saying? He's saying this. Guys, don't be under the influence of alcohol, which leads to bad things in your life. Instead, be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Amen? 
What are you under the influence of? It means I am occupied by the Spirit. I am influenced by the Spirit of God or the Spirit of the Word or the Spirit of Christ. And he says, don't be, under, don't be filled with these things and under the control or influence of them, but now be controlled or under the influence of the Spirit of God. Do you know the word spirit means the breath of God? It means the, the life of God, the wind of God. And so he's saying, guys, literally, don't be under the influence of alcohol, which leads to wild, sinful living, which is death. Instead, be under the influence of the breath of God. Think about that. Be under the influence of the breath of God. What happens when the breath of God influences you, okay? What happens when the breath of God influences you? Number one is this. There is no room for sin in your life. Whenever he fills a vessel, he fills it. There's no room. There's no empty place. He fills it. He influences it. He brings awareness to God's truth and the ability to live it out. So I understand. Just like when, when you're under the influence of alcohol and you're driving, you don't know how fast you're really going. You feel like you're going slow, but in fact, you're going 90 miles an hour. You think you can handle that curve, but in fact, you were about to find out real quick you can't. But when you're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, there's a whole different reality to life. I now see things a little more clearly. I see things in the world happening a little bit more clearly. I understand my marriage relationship a little bit better now. I understand the things in the world that are happening. I understand truth better now. I have a different perspective. You lose perspective with alcohol, but you gain perspective with the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you are thinking he's preaching about alcohol today. I'm really preaching about the Holy Spirit, okay? Uh, it's being filled. So he says there's, a, there's an awareness of truth. There's an ability, the power to live it out. That's number one. Second is this. He produces joy, thankfulness, and love. Ephesians 5, 19 through 21. So you remember in the story in Acts chapter 2, uh, there was a story of the, the early church, the first 120 people that really believed in Jesus enough to live it out. And they go to this upper room, and they, the Bible says they were waiting for 10 days, and they were filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit for the first time, the whole church. They ever, they ever, never before happened before. They were baptized with the Holy Spirit. They had all this crazy prophetic tongue-talking, fire-falling stuff happening. But the Bible says that it was, the, just, it was daytime, and people said, these guys are, what, drunk. They said they are drunk. Why? One, maybe it was because their speech was a little weird, but I think it was really because of the joy, the happiness, the energy, the excitement, the zeal. I mean, when drunk people throw a party, let's just be honest, they throw a good party, right? That's why everybody in the world wants to go because there's alcohol there. It means you're going to have a good time. Well, Paul is saying, guys, there's no better time than Holy Spirit time. There's no better time than being in the fullness, the influence of the Holy Spirit because while you may have a fake joy, let's just be honest, you go to an alcohol party, alcohol-infused party, you will have joy for a little while. It will be a temporary joy, and you'll find most of the time that joy has worn off in the morning when you find yourself having done something you didn't really mean to do or the hangover is there, right? It's a fake joy. It's an alternate joy. It's the devil's joy. But when you have a joy of the Holy Spirit, it's new 
every morning, right? It's good every day. It's refilling. It's joy, unspeakable, then full of glory. So when the Holy Spirit comes in your life, it's joy, thankfulness, and love. And and you can freely express yourself with alcohol and all your inhibitions will be gone and you will lose self-control. But when you have the Holy Spirit, you gain self-control. You get gratefulness, love for God, love for others. You'll sing praises to God all day long. You may speak in new tongues. You may prophesy. But your life will be characterized as someone under the influence of the breath of God. There'll be a new change. You'll be joyful more than anybody around you. That's number two. Number three is he'll cause you to speak the word of God with power and with boldness. You know, a drunk person really doesn't care or know all the time what they're saying. Right? They, they speak things just out of their emotions. They just speak things willy-nilly out of control. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you can speak boldly, unashamedly, the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't care what anybody in the world thinks about you because you are full of something that is good. Are you with me? Amen. Right? You see how he's contrasting this. So you can be bold in your speech. Lastly, he gives you prophetic giftings to accomplish God's calling for your life. When you're drunk, you do things you never thought you would ever do before. And the same is true with the Holy Spirit. I never thought I'd be a preacher before. I never thought I'd be a pastor. I never thought I could go door to door and tell people about Jesus or go across the world and preach the gospel. But you can do the impossible, things you never would able to do before under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. Who are you under the influence of? You'll either be under, under the influence of the flesh or you'll be under the influence of the Spirit, the breath of God. Do you know for sure that there is a new nature that is contrasting your old nature? And can you say that there has been a change in you? Like Paul says to the Ephesians, you have something different in you now. You know that God is pleased with you because you were in the dark, but now you're in the light. You were angry and unforgiving, but now you're peaceable and making uh, uh, forgiveness of other people. You're forgiving other people. You're reconciling with other people. Do you sense the filling of the Holy Spirit? So that's the initial one. That's the saved because Jesus died on the cross, forgave me of my sins. I can now have the promise of the Holy Spirit. And that's what should have happened in your life. As soon as you confess God and being saved, you should have an initial filling, the born again experience with God. Something alive should happen inside of you and you get filled. You're full. You're to the top. Holy Spirit full, right? But then guess what? Life happens. Monday morning comes, the pastor's not there, the church isn't there, the worship team's not there. All you've got is you and your employees or your employer, right? You've got you and your school and your teacher, and you've got to learn how to live this life out. So that's be filled. Let's talk about being filled. Look with me in, in Acts chapter 13, verse 52. If there's been a change, you've got to be sure the Holy Spirit continues this work in you. You know, the, the flesh can't produce the work of the Spirit. The flesh can mimic it for a little while. I can mimic joy. I can look happy. I can put on a happy face. I can willfully probably stop certain behaviors in my life. You know, if I was smoking, I could probably take the patch. I could do different things. I, if I had an alcohol problem, I could not go to the bars. There's things that man on alone can do temporarily, and it can look like an outward change. But only the Holy Spirit 
can produce the change, the fruitfulness, the blessing of God. Only he can give lasting interchange, right? And so you and I, maybe we can mimic a few things by religion, but it's not going to be pleasing to God. We have to be continually influenced, just like an alcoholic. If you want to be under the influence of alcohol, you've got to keep drinking. It will wear off. And as a Christian, the same way. I've got to be drinking continually of the Holy Spirit to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Not that He wears off, but it's that me, I, I have the issues. I have the problems. And so I need to be continually filled. Somebody say amen. amen. So you can't fill yourself, but I can allow the Holy Spirit to continue to fill me. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit just briefly about continual filling. All right? The word when Paul says be filled there in the Greek is a verb uh, in the present tense, and it means keep on being filled, all right? So he says, don't be filled and under the influence of alcohol, that's sin, but he says, be, be being under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Keep on being under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And we see this is, it means it's not just this one-time thing. It's a continual deal. So in Acts chapter uh, 13, verse 52, we see these disciples, right? They had already been filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. In fact, they had been filled again. We'll talk about that in Acts chapter 4. And now it says in Acts 13, he says, And the disciples were continually, everybody say continually, continually filled with joy. Look how they partner that together and with the Holy Spirit. This is a lifestyle for the believer. I cannot make it on my own one day without the breath of God coming into my life. Oh, sure, I can be a good person. Sure, I can have moral standards. Sure, I can, I can do things. But as a believer, if I want the full promise and blessing and joy and peace of God pleasing unto him if i want to have the marriage i want to have and the finances and and the life and i want to have the bold witness for god i have to have a continual influence it's like that water hose that i said earlier you will be pouring out life happens things happen marital fights financial problems going to work people making you angry people hurting you you're going to get emptied out but i need a constant drip in of the Holy Spirit. You know what I do in my life? I read my Bible every day, whether morning or night. Read that Bible every day. That's the Word of God, the Word of the Spirit. It's alive, right? It's the sword of the Spirit. It's something that's sharp. It, it keeps me in line with God. And then I pray every day, sometimes an hour at least. Sometimes it's more than that, just driving down the road on my lawnmower or between places in the grocery store, just communicating with God that He would fill me up, give me His thoughts. Give me his feelings. Give me his words. Give me his emotions. Give me his desires. And I cannot live this life out without those two things. The other thing I do every week is participate in worship, whether it be on my own with a CD or just on my personal voice, which isn't very good, right? That's why we have showers and private times, right? You can be on the lawnmower. Nobody has a clue what I'm singing, right? And you just can fill that out. You're in the car. If people pull up beside you. You're just doing this for Jesus, and they're thinking you're drunk. It's okay. If you get pulled over, just start praying for the cop, right? It, it, you, you should be that way, in love, drunk with Jesus, right? And so I get filled up. 
every day. That's the continual filling. That's where so many people fail to live because we can wake up years from now relying on one-time experience or on a salvation altar call or on a moment at youth camp or a good church service to keep us full. That's not how this life works. It's a continual filling. It's always in the love and the presence of Jesus. And so if you're going to drink of something, drink of Jesus every day. How about that? That's where you should live. That's where Romans 12, 2 tells us that it's a daily transformation. It's a daily sacrifice. It's a transformation by the renewing of my mind, not being conformed to this world so I can prove what the will of God is. It's a living sacrifice. It's a daily routine, a daily drip of the Holy Spirit. If you don't do this, be sure you will not only go empty, but you will go on muddy. If you don't have a daily drip of the Holy Spirit, you will not only go empty, but you will go muddy. You see, that continual filling keeps that dirt flowing out of me. That continual filling keeps me a little bit overflowing. When I go empty, he, go, he, he fills me up. When I get a little bit murky, he kind of keeps that murkiness out of me a little bit. But then there are moments where I just got to get completely emptied with God. Let's talk about that for a minute. So we have continually filled where you live daily in the Christian life. Then I have moments of emptiness. You know, Paul said in Ephesians 4.22, look at that. Ephesians 4.22, he says, you know, some moments in your life as a believer, you've got to recognize things aren't always like they ought to be. Heath Harris, even as a pastor, doesn't always have the best thoughts, the best emotions, doesn't always make the best decisions. The best of us, right? The, the best of us and the worst of us, we all find out at the same time that we all don't act right, don't think right on our own. And in Ephesians 4.22, he says to these believers, he says, guys, remember? Yeah, I know you're saved. I know you got the Holy Spirit. Things are going great. You know, uh, you're having revival and you're facing persecution and all this stuff. But remember... In reference to your former manner of life, lay aside that old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. He's saying, guys, I know you've repented and received God, but keep on doing that. Remember, Jesus even said, take up your cross daily if you want to follow me. Even Paul said in Romans, I die daily. That this, this emptying thing is a part of the Christian life as well. And there are moments in my life where we get fed up, or at least in my life, I just get fed up with muddy, murky Christianity. I'm tired of, of just feeling blah, and I think so many Christians live in blah. I think it's a, I'm a nominal Christian. I'm okay enough to go to heaven, and that's great. You can be filled up, be a little murky. You know, God saved you by grace, and, and you're trying. You love God. You're trying to put away sin. You're trying to do the right thing, but you're just kind of there. You know, maybe you have a few little attitude issues. You say, oh, I'm saved by grace. That's okay. Or, you know, I get, lose my temper a few times. Or I have a few little habits I need to break. But, you know, I do love God. I pay my tithes. I do pray. I give. I, I serve. But, you know, I just, I'm okay with where I'm at. And, at church, I just can't live there. I'm just tired. I, I can't live in blah, okay? When I look at Scripture and I see the fullness and I look back at my life and I see, man, I was filled one time. It was clean water. It was good water. It was, it was pure and, and my whole life got flipped around and now it's just kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm all right. I'm going okay. You know, I can influence a little bit, but maybe I'm not where I ought to be or where I should have been, but can I just get through life? Pastor, you don't know how hard life is right now for me. You don't know how much things are going on in my mind and my heart, and I'm like, that's the best time to be full of the Holy Spirit. 
That's the best time to get emptied out. And you know, A.W. Tozer once said this. He said about the status quo of Christianity. He said, you know, guys, if God were to take out his Holy Spirit out of this world, much of what the church is doing would go right on and nobody would know the difference. Ouch. We can sing songs. We can hear good preaching. We can say amen. We can give in tithes. We can serve at the local soup kitchen. We can feed the poor and all that stuff. But do you have it here? Do you have, is it muddy water? Is it half full? Because it might be one of those moments, sometimes there are mountaintop moments in our life where we just got to meet God again and just got to get emptied out of the muddy water and say, God, fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up. Amen? I remember the first time I allowed myself to be emptied at an altar call. It was the scariest moment of my life. Uh, I didn't do altar calls. I did not raise my hands. I did not speak in front of people. But for me, this little 16-year-old kid to come down to a, the corner right here uh, at a church and submit to God and say, God, I want everything you've got. I want all of the Holy Spirit, everything you have. I don't care what it is. If it's looking weird or funny or stupid, I'll be foolish for God. I want it. I'm tired of living in the blah. And I came down the front altar, and my life was forever changed. I tell you, forever changed by one encounter with the Holy Spirit. One encounter, and then I would learn it wouldn't be that one encounter for long. It would be more and more and more. And it would be a rhythm of emptying myself out. It would be moments in my life in a dorm room, falling on my face before God, just God, get this sin out of my life. There'd be moments where God would just lay me out in his presence and say, Heath, I want to do things in your heart. It would be repeated moments of saying, Heath, you've got to give up control. Heath, you've got to give up fear. Heath, you've got to... And it, let me tell you something. It would be worth it every time because when I emptied out, he poured in. Everything I ever thought I, I needed, he would pour in. You have a choice of what fills you Will you be full of the Holy Spirit? Maybe there's energy in your life. You're trying to do this thing in the right way. And there's energy that you're doing on your own and you've substituted that for the, uh, with flesh instead of the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe there are habits or desires. Maybe it's ambitions. Maybe it's feelings uh, of this world of the flesh or maybe influencing your thoughts, your mind, your heart more than the influence of the Holy Spirit. We want to be emptied out. Emptied out. And let me give you this last one as refilled. We've continually filled, then it's the emptied out, and now it's the refilled, right? So look in Acts chapter 4, verse 31. So I'm initially filled at salvation, and I want to be continually filled through a daily relationship with the Spirit. But there's also these special moments of refilling. We see one of the first ones, or the first one, right, in Acts chapter 2, the, the baptism of what, what we'd call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But there was refillings throughout. Here's these guys and gals, and in Acts 2, they were baptized, the first filling of the Holy Spirit. But now it says, when they had prayed, the place which they were gathered was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Let me ask you, if it happened once, why did it have to happen again? If they were filled and that was good, why did they have to get refilled? In fact, Peter would be filled three times just in Acts chapter 2, 3, and 4. Peter, the first apostle, the pope, the first guy, he would have to be filled three times in just three chapters. Now think about that. 
Each time it was so he could accomplish some task ahead of him, he would have otherwise failed on his own. You do not know what is going to happen in your life this week. You do not know what's going to happen in your life this year that you may need right now to get emptied out and filled up. God may put something in your path, some test, some thing that he's going to get glory out of your life, whether it be something from a tragedy or just some kind of witnessing opportunity at work or at school, that you need the word and the life and the power and the influence of God so that you do not fall short of what he wants to do. And I have to have that on a regular basis. He says, uh, one, what we're talking about, he says, you should walk daily in the Holy Spirit, but we also need to be refilled. So just like, for instance, this is five-gallon bucket. It's the same water I was filled with the first time. It's the same water that I had the continual drip of. And it's still the same water if I empty it out and put new water back again. It's this same water. I'm still saved. I'm still a Christian. But I, the person, have got to say, God, it's not you, Lord. It's me. I need this for me to do what you want me to do, to live in the promises of God. And you know that God is going to be sure to equip you for his calling. Whether you're continually filled or it's the refilled. You know, Paul in Ephesians 4, he told this same church, he says, guys, you've got to be renewed in your spiritual understanding. You've got to put on this new self, which is in the likeness of God. In Ephesians 4, 23, when he says that, he's saying this, guys, you need to be renewed sometimes. Guys, you need to put on, to clothe yourself uh, with the things of God, with the influence of God. And in fact, that same word literally means, he says, you need to go back to the beginning when you were first born again. That word renewed means to go back to the beginning. So it's as if when I'm getting filled again, it's not that I'm reverting and losing everything I've got, but it's that that same water that influenced me the first time. How many people remember the first time you really just got touched by God's presence and it's that when I get filled, it kind of takes me back and say, remember that energy I had? Remember that joy I have? It's the same water, but it's in a new season in my life, and it's for a new journey ahead. But it's renewing me. It's reawakening me. It's uh, reigniting the passion on the inside of me to say, God, yes, I, I know I love you, and you know I love you, and I'm saved. And, but God, to, to me to get to the next season of my life, Lord, I cannot do this. Like Moses said in Exodus 33, Lord, don't let me go from this place unless your spirit goes with me. There are moments in our life which are only going to be possible, journeys that God has for us, unless we be emptied out and be full again. If the disciples in the first hundred years need to be continually filled and then also refilled, how much more do we have? To? They walked with Jesus and they needed it. How much more does Heath Harris and 2019 need a refilling and a continual filling of the Holy Spirit. It's both. It's, it's both, church. You have to have these regular daily things that keeps me with the Spirit. But there are times I just got to say, God, I'm tired of the blah and the muddiness. Lord, just empty me out and fill me back up again. It's not getting resaved. It's just saying, God, I need the influence more influence of the Holy Spirit on my nature. How many people want to be influenced by heaven? Don't you want to be influenced by heaven? And say, God, I want a heavenly thought, heavenly power, heavenly mindset. I've been trying to make it on my own. How long do you think you can keep that up? Making it on your own. 
How long do you think you can keep this Christian life going on, trying to do it on your own? Just say, God, you paid for the price so I could have the, the promise of the Holy Spirit. I want the influence of heaven. I want the influence of heaven in my life. Jeremiah tells us if we seek him, we'll find him. If we search with all of our heart, Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock, it'll be open to you. And church, I just want to invite you to do right now, every, every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm just going to invite uh, maybe Miss Stacy or Miss T back to the piano and just say, God, Lord, I want to have the continual filling of the Holy Spirit, but Lord, I need to be refilled too. I need to be refilled too.